I'm continuing what I started in the beginning of the year, kind of a New Year's set of special messages all around this idea of endurance. Because we're waiting for God to fulfill his promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, the apostles. That fulfillment is in the future and somehow we want to endure and wait until the fulfillment. So there's a time frame right now where we need strength to resist difficulties and endure obstacles. And today I want to talk about warfare and attack because that's a component of what we face, not from flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of wickedness. And a major source of discouragement is this impression that, you know what, I'm on my own. I am all by myself. And it is overwhelming to feel cut off from other people. This is something that we experienced during the pandemic. We had lockdowns. Marriages blowing up because husband and wife were not actually used to being together. People weren't really prepared for the quiet and the stillness and the emptiness. And it's like, what do I do? How do I deal with this? And God himself said, it is not good for man to be alone. So, a major source of endurance is the presence of the Lord. And especially in the face of obstacles, difficulties, and warfare. You know, you can be alone in your marriage, you can be alone on the job, you can be alone in so many different areas. And I wanna look at a couple of ways that the Lord has encouraged me by his presence. Are you up for that? All right. The first thing I wanna talk about and unfortunately, I'm not hanging this on any one scripture. There's three different things I want to say. But the first thing is to realize, first of all, that you are in a spiritual fight. And this is the thing that kind of dawns on us eventually. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm in a spiritual battle. But we can prepare for this by keeping it up front. We're always in a spiritual battle, even when it looks like we're not, even in the so-called good times, because that's the perfect setup for a sneak attack. When you think everything's running like it ought to, weld it. 
But no, it's just kind of the, the phony war part. And then all of a sudden, blitzkrieg. So we have to fight in a spiritual way. Now, here we have the devil and any number of spiritual powers of wickedness against us. And that is scary because these beings are spiritual and we're physical and they don't get tired. And I get tired. And so one of these strategies against us is to wait until we're really exhausted and then jump on us. And there you are at your weakest and here's something you have to resist when you go, oh no, can't we wait? Can't we postpone this one till I'm feeling better about myself? And remember, it's only three rounds and no hits below the belt. Let's keep this clean. Absolutely not. This isn't a fair fight. Not only that, but the devil is smarter than we are. The Apostle Paul speaks about the schemes of the enemy. And he does things, he plans, in order to confuse and mislead. And he even attacks with thoughts that are not your own. And then he wants to make you feel bad that you thought them. Like, what kind of a person are you anyway for thinking that thought? But you know, he just lobs them in there and then you go, and then he jumps on you, wants to make you feel bad. One thing I noticed that he does with me all the time is that I get into these arguments and discussions with people in my mind. They're not in the room. But I go back to these discussions or I think ahead to situations that I'm going to face. And I find myself talking with these people. Or let's say it's something that I would like to say to them, but I actually wouldn't because I'm a nicer person than that. But boy, I will think it. Uh, you know, this is a tactic designed to exhaust us and to waste time and energy because that person really isn't in the room. That would be productive. Talk straight out. Let's communicate and work this thing out. But the person isn't there. So instead, I'm just swinging away, boxing something that isn't there, and wasting time and energy. This is what discourages, because you find yourself looping and going around and around and around, and nothing is resolved. And see, the devil wants us to waste our time and our energy. Because when we're exhausted and discouraged, that's a great time to work in a little bit of doubt, 
Like, I don't know if God is really going to work this out because I've thought about this every way and I can't see a way to work this out. This is the end. We're doomed. We're gonna die. So, we have to fight back, at least I do, against this thing about arguing with people they're not there. Here's two things to think about. One, never have a conversation with somebody who's not in the room. Right there, that's an attack. Don't talk to anybody who's not there. You know, I, even this morning, I had to stop myself and say, stop that. I will talk to myself. Don't do this. Don't talk to anybody who's not in the room. But the other thing is, talk to the one who is in the room. Because that's constructive. Jesus is in the room. And I can talk to him and just dump this thing in my mind on him. Dump the stress and the difficulty and the impossibility on him. And in my mind, I don't see a way out. And that encourages me to think, well, if I can't do it, nobody can do it. And God can't do it. But see, as I'm talking to Jesus, he's never in doubt about his abilities to sort things out or fix people. He's never in doubt. And so I'm talking to somebody who is calm, satisfied, not in a position where, gee, I don't know if I can make this thing work out. That's not Jesus. So why waste time talking to somebody who's not there? But instead, we want to talk to Jesus and lay this stuff out to him and let him take care of it. And as often as it comes back, this is how you really fight back. Keep giving it to him. And you know, we've just heard this morning about praying for people and then God answers. Ample evidence that prayer is not wasted time. So we have to fight a spiritual battle in a spiritual way. And we fight back in prayer. But again, this is a weak thing. I am weak in prayer. And so I have found a way to get around my own weakness in prayer. And that is, I spend time groaning before the Lord. I want to direct you to Romans chapter 8. And again, we'll be looking at this kind of thing on Friday nights. That's a not very subtle plug and advertisement. 
for those wonderful Friday night Bible studies. But here in Romans 8, verse 26, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So one of the things that I'm weak in is that I don't know what to pray for. I really don't know what God's will is. And I'm supposed to pray for his will to be done on earth like it is in heaven? All right, what's that? So if God really depended on me to pray for the right thing, man, I would be in a lot of trouble. And thankfully, God does not have to take my suggestions because I think he would have driven the universe into the pothole of destiny. I don't know. We would have ruined things if he listens to me. So I notice another weakness of mine is I'm not very intense in prayer. I'm kind of like that king of Israel who was with Elisha the prophet right there in his deathbed. And Elisha says, shoot a window, shoot, shoot an arrow out of the window. Bing! That's the arrow of victory. Now take the arrows and beat the ground with them. And the king kind of goes, bunk, bunk, bunk. And Elisha goes, you know what? You should have hit the ground until I told you to stop. And now you're only going to hit Syria three times. Way to go. See, the king goes, bunk, bunk, bunk. What's that? And that's the way I pray. I pray bonk, bonk, bonk. When I really should, you know, pray and be intense, but I'm not. Well, look at this. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. That is, I don't know what to tell God, but God knows what he wants. So I get to groan. And I bet everybody here has prayed like that at one time in their life or another. To the point where you just go, Arr! And what Paul is saying right here is that the Holy Spirit is praying through you. That's perfect prayer. And I think, what an amazing thing that me, I can pray perfectly. Prayers that God will answer because it's his will. Now, do I need to know what I'm praying for? I think, man, if I knew what I was praying for, I would be positive this is not going to happen. If God would make windows in heaven, 
That's not going to happen. So, you know, why do I need to know? With my little faith, and it's pretty microscopic the way it is right now. But do I need to know? You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, he says, I pray in the Spirit and I pray with my mind. Interestingly, you can do that at the same time. As you groan along, you can also pray over that. And what you find is, is the whole person is focused with intensity. So I find I do both. I groan and I pray with my mind. So I also work on doing this until I'm done. And this is a funny thing. How do you know when you're done? And I think it's when you just quit groaning. I tried this once. I think I've told you about this. I was close to an ocean shore, and I even think I was in Australia at the time. Crash. So nobody could hear me because this is awkward when you're groaning. So I was thinking, what would happen if I just cut loose and groaned? How long would I go? So I did that. And it was kind of like dying. It was agonizing. And I don't know what was going on. But I thought, I am going to do this until I stop. Or something. And then I wondered, man, my stomach muscles hurt. How long is this going to go? And then I remember, all of a sudden, I'm done. That was it. I didn't feel like groaning anymore. So I thought, whatever that was, in Jesus' name, amen. So I recommend that you try this and just say, okay, God, you and me, let's pray for your will. And then as you groan, you realize this is perfect. I could not think of a better prayer to pray. I am already praying it. Now, find a way to do this quietly. Because again, this is awkward if you get interrupted. Is everything okay? Oh no, I'm fine. So you get a pillow, and you push your face in it, or you learn to groan quietly. I can do that too. Or with the door shut. But I tell you, as I've been working on this, not just waiting till I'm in a, a real bad situation, but pursuing this, it's amazing what God does. It really is. And it's encouraging. And that's what we need in order to endure. So let me recommend this to you. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be shaken. So this is how you cast that burden until there is no more burden for now. 
He's going to keep you from being shaken. That's going to give you endurance. Does everybody get that? All right. Then the other thing about the presence of the Lord that I want to focus on is in Psalm 90, verse 10. It's verse 14. I actually wrote my own notes and I got the scripture reference wrong. So look at verse 14. It says, Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And the point to this is that a part of our spiritual battle is to be satisfied and happy. There are two sides of the same coin. Did you know that you cannot be satisfied until you're happy? And you can't be happy until you're satisfied. The reason why we need this is because God made us and he is the eternally blessed God. He's always happy. He never has a bad day. And as we bear his image, that's supposed to be part of us. So it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. If, if, if we spend a long enough time unhappy, unsatisfied, it's gonna mess us up. And the longer without that happiness and satisfaction, the more messed up. So you say, well, that would be wonderful, but this world is broken, and I'm broken. So how in the world are we going to do that? Well, look at Moses here. Look at Moses. You know, this is the psalm, the only psalm we have that Moses wrote. And I think, now, when in the world did Moses write a psalm? Was it as they were leaving Egypt? No, he was busy. It had to have been during that 40 years in the wilderness. He wrote a psalm, one. Now, what I find so interesting is this idea of satisfy us early with your mercy. That's the Hebrew word chesed. And it's talking about the powerful, strong love of God. This is who God is. And Moses is, is in a situation where there is no satisfaction possible. When you go out into the wilderness, there's nothing there for you to look at that would make you say, ooh, ah. There's nothing but rocks and snakes and scorpions. Nothing inspiring to feed you. You say, okay, I'll just hang with people. And that'll satisfy me. But then you're hanging with two million people who are complainers and whiners. 
And you know, you can only take so much na 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 na. You say to yourself, ah. Okay, so no joy there. How about let's just eat? Let's just eat a big one. Well, what is there to eat? Manna, three times a day. And it's glorious. It's angel's food, right? But still, three times a day for 40 years. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can do with it. It's like there's no joy in eating. How about I'm going to take satisfaction in a job well done. Do my work right. What is your job, Moses? Well, marching an entire nation in the wilderness till they die. So that's my job. Now, can you take job satisfaction in that? Well, we're wandering. We don't know where we're going, but we're making good time. It's ridiculous. There's no meaning in that. So, what are you going to do? If you can't take any joy or satisfaction or happiness in your surroundings, what are you going to do? Now, I've thought about this, and you guys know, I've even taught on this before, so you guys even know the punchline better than I do. But I think at some point, Moses cracked, and he said, I can't do this one more day. This meaningless routine of eat, sleep, travel, work, raise my kid, do my job, where are my routines? He just popped his cork and said, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I think he said, kill me now, kill me now. And I mean it. And I think instead what God did was give him his love. Gush. And I think that Moses sat there in the tent of meeting and he said, that's pretty good. That's great. I like that. Only you got to do this tomorrow or I can't do this. He found out that if he had God's love in his heart, he could be satisfied. Because, funny enough, it's not in the surroundings around us that we're satisfied, it's in our hearts, and that's more difficult. Because God put eternity in our hearts. And if you put anything else in there to satisfy your heart, it's not enough. You'll get tired of anything and everything. But if you stick God's eternal, uncreated love in your heart, you will be satisfied. So, This is something to pray for. This is something that Moses prays. Satisfy us early with your loving kindness. 
that we may be glad all our days. Can you imagine? A source of satisfaction that's not dependent on how things are going. And even if everything was going wrong, you could still keep going because it's not based on anything earthly. And I want to just emphasize this. Nothing can satisfy your heart except the love of God. Try it out and see. So the encouragement then, how you fight back spiritually, is build your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is because the Holy Spirit communicates to us the love of God. I'm reading in Romans 5, verse 5. And you don't have to turn there necessarily, but mark it for later. It says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. So think about this. Love is not a thing. Love is a person. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to communicate to us the love of God so that we can grasp and experience that. Now, you know, we can have this experience that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 3, where he says that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which passes understanding that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And again, there's that satisfaction there and that happiness. And it comes by being filled with a love that goes past your understanding. Like, I don't get this. I don't know. How come God loves me this much? But that doesn't mean you can't experience it. You can experience the fact that God loves you and treasures you and keeps you. Now, you know, one of the things he wants to do is, is keep us right before him. So you ask God to cleanse your heart and wash away your sins. That's one of the things we're going to look at on Friday night. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you start there. And then as you're washed and cleansed before God, he will pour out his love. Now he might give you a powerful experience. And people have had that experience. You'll read about it in books. 
D.L. Moody had these two middle-aged ladies talking to him, saying, Mr. Moody, you need to be filled with the Spirit. He tried to get rid of them in a nice way because, you know, you're a Christian. You don't want to treat people badly, but they were bugging him. And he brushed them off, and they kept praying for him. There he is, walking down the street in New York City. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he goes, I got it. I got to hide somewhere. Goes up to a place, a friend of his lived there. Bum, 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 bum. Moody, how are you? Never mind that. Give me a room where I can be alone. And he's in this room for hours while the love of God is pouring out into his heart. And he had to say, you have to shut this off or I'm going to die. It was that intense. The Holy Spirit will do this. But this is not the only way that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts. Not this pow experience. It can be this steady experience of receiving from God. The difference between Niagara Falls and the Thames River. You know, it keeps on flowing, but it doesn't stop. And Paul says in Ephesians 5 to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow that to happen to you and experience this being filled. Again, I don't think a lot of us are built for this wham, pow, experience with the Holy Spirit. I don't think we could handle it. But we can experience this constant filling and influence of the Holy Spirit. So why not? Why not let him do that and be open to that? And one way to do that is to be filled with the word of God. You know, memorize a scripture that really ministers to you and then think on it. I've been meditating on Psalm 1 in the mornings, the first thing when I get up. Blessed is the man. I have to work at it, same as you. Everybody got superior there, didn't they? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And I start my day with that, and it's different than just starting the day with brain radio, whatever pops on, you know. You know how house builders always have Heart 107 going? And it's like, instead of brain radio, what about starting it with God's word? And it's really interesting to go from Psalm 1 to Psalm 55, verse 22, and then move on to Psalm 91 or something else. And you find your thoughts going in this spiritual direction, and it's fun. That is being filled with the word of God, 
which leads to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you maintain this being in the presence of God. And that's what's going to give you endurance. Does everybody get that? All right. We're done. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can be in your presence and be aware of you. And we can reference all the difficulties to you and say, Lord, I don't know what to do about this person, but I'm sure as heck not going to straighten them out. You do it. And we do pray that you would fill us and satisfy us with your love. We pray that even this morning you would overflow our hearts because that's legitimate and lawful and you're waiting to satisfy us and make us happy. And we pray that you would do that. We want to commit ourselves into your hand. And thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.